Welcome to this series of the Become Inspired UHQ podcast. This is the third and final episode where I talk to elite sports people, and this is actually the second time I've spoken to a former student of mine, Chunya Munga. Amazing guy, a fantastic student to teach, ridiculously talented. He has become a professional rugby player for London Irish, um, breaking into their first team. This is its second proper season in their senior first team. We did try and record this couple of months ago face to face it was brilliant to see him but unfortunately I'm going to blame it on myself and my production skills the sound quality wasn't quite there so we've picked up on some of the threads that came through it's brilliant chat he is not your typical athlete he is a highly intelligent thoughtful self-reflective emotionally aware individual and that makes for hopefully a really interesting discussion on his rise to elite sport and also his mindset um, and the, the, the development of his mindset moving forward, how he's evolving as an athlete, not just physically, but also psychologically. So without further ado, let's get into it. Johnny Munga, welcome back. Tricky second episode. Thank you so much for coming back on and talking to me. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Jess? I'm, I'm well. I'm very well. Now you you have you're feeling like a forty year old man at the moment, aren't you, with a bad back? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's actually a lot better now than it was. Um, but I pulled myself out of a scrum probably about two weeks ago, and then lay on my bed for about a week in uh, in agony. But now they um they fix you up and give you bits and bobs that you need to do. And yeah, so I'm on the men now, I'll hopefully be playing in the next week or so. So fingers crossed. I think nothing to be worried about. It's just a little little tweak, is it? Yeah, I think it's just a, it's a, it's a bump in the road, a little bit of sport, sport wear and tear. So hopefully nothing too bad. Yeah, should be all right. You may remember last time I asked you what your three core values were. So rather than me make you tell them again, I'm going to tell you what they yeah. were. Okay. Yeah. I don't know whether you can remember. Uh, and you can tell me whether you think they're still right because all the yeah. kids sort of work within in different schools. We ask to think about this, but we also tell them that they can change at any point. So I'd be interested to know whether they've changed in the last few months. So yours were enjoyment, making sure yeah. you always enjoy everything you do, being yourself and being authentic. So you talked about wearing what you want, listening to whatever music you wanted to without you know being ashamed of any of it yeah. um, and making those that love you proud. Yeah, I'd probably say that they're pretty much the same. That's yeah, that's really changed now. And that's good, isn't it? And that's probably quite interesting because again, I don't know how I don't think, tell me if I'm wrong, you're the sort of person that wakes up and looks at your values on a wall and says, I'm gonna live my life by these every day. Is is that something that is conscious in your mind, or is it is it still not? And you just kind of get up and you do the best you can still and you work hard and or are you are you becoming more conscious of these things as you get older? Yeah, I think actually, funnily enough, not so that I have like values sort of stripped to my wall, but um, there's only one thing that I've had. I've got a little whiteboard downstairs that I kind of plan my week on, just different things. Um, and I wrote something in there, kind of in, it wouldn't be great pidgin English, but it's the sort of the language my mum used to use when she spoke to her family and stuff. And it's just a little message that says, sort of basically along the lines of, like work hard so your mum never has to work kind of thing. Just a little message like that. That's the only thing I've sort of kept. It's like in a little square and my right board has changed. I've rubbed everything up. But in that square, 
on sort of the right hand side that's always stayed there. So I don't really have like values, but um, it might sound a bit sort of you know cliche in the story of sort of like who I as I grew up, but that's one thing I've always kind of kept in there. So I wrote it like that in Pidgin English because it was something a bit sort of more of the culture that I grew up in. And then it was a message that I feel is very aligned with me. So it's kind of why I do these things. And so yeah, it's not those values. Those values are probably very like important to me, but that is kind of a message I've always kept there just because I think um, when things kind of got tough at points last year, now I actually think about it, that always stayed there in that little square. And even now, probably I've had it there 18 months at board and it's still stuck there that, that one thing that still hasn't crossed that. So it's a bit even rubbed now, but that massively, yeah, it's all... it really comes through that it's your third value making those that love you proud and obviously your mum is very much up there as one of those people you talked mm. a lot about her when we spoke last time you said um then when things got tough are you able to say like you know anything about that or is it something that's yeah good? yeah of course so like um last year I had like a major knee injury I tore I think like a high grade two tear in my MCL um which was pretty tough i've done it before like a tweak sort of grade one that was like a six week recovery but this was a three just shy three month thing so that was quite tough um i've also now got a crooked finger um tore some tendons off in my finger um so now it's a little bit bent that was kind of tough just because um again it's one of those injuries where you see like all the oh you see old rugby boys have those kind of things and um, yeah, that was just a bit tough. Not so much the injury itself, but actually just because it was in like a period where I had a good run of games. I was actually probably playing some of my best rugby yet. And then it just went because I couldn't like, couldn't catch, couldn't grip to scrum, couldn't tackle, couldn't hit anything because like, couldn't really use my hand. Um, that was probably some of my tougher, tougher times. And in those moments when you're kind of like, oh, this is rubbish. Like you, you struggle to um, stay as positive when you're not playing compared to when you are. So that kind of message just kind of brings it back to kind of what are we doing here? And I think I spoke to you last time about, um, you know, me playing as if my younger self is watching. That's kind of something I've I've, I've kept trying to do. Um, but I probably also thought now over the last three or four months, especially during pre-season, it was kind of like play like your younger self is, so train like your younger self is watching, but work like your future self will thank you for what you did kind of thing. So it's a very like internal dialogue of I am doing this for me um, because I, uh, like it's all about how far I've, I think I can get myself to go. So the thing yeah. that when you said that last time, that, that really stuck with me. I, and I've tried, I've tried to actually do that in every, in everything I'm doing. So I, I'm really, I love trying new things. I've started doing kickboxing. Yeah. I'm not very good. And that actually what you said is really, because I watched a video of me doing it back the other day and I watched it and I went I am rub really rubbish at that but then I thought about what you said and I was like it doesn't matter like you're doing you know you're doing trying something new and you're having to go at something different and yeah definitely. I think that's really good and that other bit you've put on the end is interesting isn't it that you've got to you've got to play you've got to play with abandon and you've got to play with you know enjoyment but also in your sport particularly you're already picking up injuries you've you've obviously got to think a little bit about the long game as well and you've got to look after mm. yourself yeah definitely and I think like Going back to that, um, sort of about the, the thing, because I remember even now when I was a kid, like just little things and you sometimes you get caught up. I don't know if it's the same for other boys, but sometimes you get caught up so much in 
in, in trying to achieve big things that you don't appreciate, maybe the little steps. Um, and, and things like, I remember when I was a kid, just because I was such a big kid, like just simple things that like I couldn't play on the monkey bars, like couldn't do it because I couldn't hold myself up. And like now I get to the point where obviously like you don't even think about it, but like I can I can do like weighted chins, which sounds stupid, but as a kid, I couldn't even pull myself on a bar. So it's like if you know you that idea of play like your younger self is watching, like if like, me when I was seven, eight, nine, who couldn't get himself up on a monkey bar because he was so heavy, but see me now like pulling myself up a, a, a bar like for fun as exercise, just to do it, and you don't even think, yeah, he'd, he'd be pretty shocked. So yeah sometimes not getting caught up in the big things of all like I've got to play in cool stadiums I've got to play in front of crowds those have been great experiences but even the day-to-day -day things like that I'd never thought I'd be able to do um yeah just little things like that take take us briefly from chubby 11 year old Chinya to 15 year old Chinya battling with his mum on protein shakes oh yeah yeah professional London Irish hulk of a man Chinya like, can, you, can you do that and like can you briefly go through that process yeah yeah so from 11 probably in a short space to about 15 was just me playing as you all did as a kid like me just playing rugby growing up for fun um not thinking anything of it like I knew I was a bit bigger than everyone else but that was about it just kind of had a bit of fun um played with my mates and then 15 um I was probably in the county setup at Berkshire and then as well as my club and then from there um, the county sort of filtered you into an academy based on the catchment area. Um, moved into the Bronze Academy in London Irish and then from there progressed. So I did a year in the Bronze Academy, another year in the Silver Academy at sort of 16, 17, uh, sorry, 16. And then when I hit 17, 18, you move into what's called the Gold Academy. So basically sick form boys. Um, and I might have said this last time as well, but I even remember thinking when I was 17, I just didn't, I didn't really think I was any good. And I remember I got a bit of a confidence boost because I was 17. I got an email. I was actually, I remember where I was in school. I was in the, the geography block and I got an email saying, oh, she's been invited to do England under 17s training. And I was like, what, me? Like, I was like, me? Um, and so then from there, I was like, okay, cool. Uh, I went there, met a load of boys from all over the country who also played academies. I thought, right, let, like, let's give this a go. Gave it a go in my first year, year 12, then played my last year, year 13 of like academy school rugby, and then got offered a deal at London Irish Senior Academy. Um, got offered a two-year contract, and then, yeah, it's kind of got me to where I am. That's a, that's a really quick snapshot. And now, 22-year-old, um, hopefully trying to get myself certified as a team but it's been a cool journey to be a homegrown boy as well like there's quite a few of us now which is really good but it's quite cool to have, have seen a lot of boys who are older than me who you kind of looked up to and now they're boys who are in your in your team yeah it's quite cool especially from a homegrown kid you're not um you're not the new fresh academy boy now are you you're not you know do you feel do you feel different has imposter syndrome sort of gone and do you feel very much like you are a professional genuinely professional rugby player you're meant to be here um, I'd say uh, I, I definitely feel like I know a bit more about myself now. Um, I know really what I need to hammer home in terms of like my work on and improvements, but I've also kind of gained an understanding of who I am probably as a person and a player. You learn a lot more um, from being around the boys. Like we had a meeting the other day, a team meeting for players, and 
they said, look, lads, the reality is we get a five-week holiday and maybe two weeks in season, maybe three weeks by week. So strap in because we've got 45 weeks together. So you learn a lot by being with the guys around you. Um, but I feel like now, especially because there's quite a few boys who I've known for a few years now and I've played together with and we've had some new guys come in, but all similar sort of young age group. Um, we're starting to, well, I've started to feel anyway more like, you know, it's it's starting to be we're not just sort of the kids who are, are you know seen and seen and not heard anymore. I feel like we have an opportunity now to provide we put the work in and, and try our best to 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 be us that can can try and achieve something here. That's how I feel. Yeah. Are the young are there new young kids that you're now seeing coming up that you're now looking at? And going, I, I was you last year, and you're you know either taking them under yeah, your, it's, or, you know hopefully you're being nice to them. Well, we've um. We've got a, a guy who, if you ask any forward, who's probably been through the academy, uh, in my age group anyway, a guy called John Fisher, and he's very big on, he did it himself when he was a player. He's quite big on sort of the integration and like, I, I don't want to say mentoring, because I wouldn't say we really mentor them too much, but we just give them like hints and, and tips, stuff we might have missed when we were younger. So I got paired with another uh, second row who's 18, 19. Um, massive he's like six nine this kid he's huge um and it just kind of like before he came in we had a few maybe zooms a few phone calls um and just kind of sat down and said look this is what you might expect this is what you might not expect or this is what is probably going to happen when you get here or these experiences you might have or like you're going to get shouted at and told you're a bit rubbish but that is rugby like you just kind of get on with it because I remember even when we got there, like our first day or first week, sorry, we had a, a line-up session and we got out there with the head forwards coach and he just said, he looked at us and went, boys, you're like, you're going to be rubbish. But I don't care. I just want you to try hard. And obviously all of us with our, with our like fresh out of school egos are like, oh, we're hot stuff. You know, we thought we were it. And he literally just said, look, you're going to be rubbish. So don't be disheartened because I'm going to tell you now, you are going to be poor. So yeah, it's just things like that, that now we are kind of able to maybe share with those boys who are a bit younger and a few of the other guys in in my sort of age group have done the same for maybe younger back rowers or front rowers especially I think front row is probably a real position where you have to you need help I've never played front row but I look at the work that one of my mates who, um, who's a tight head and the work he does it's like you need you need help you need it so yeah the um the thing that you said again going back to sort of the mindset side of trying to play like only your 12 year old self is watching in the stand but then also flipping that and saying you know I think you said um play like you're you know playing for yourself in the future as well is that I was thinking about that and um I know you're not a big cricket fan even though I tried to get you to play cricket a few times I don't know whether you followed like the test team but they brought in Brendan McCullum Kiwi and Ben right. Stubbs right as as captain and coach and test cricket is something that it is quite tricky to get to put people into because it's perceived as being boring it's slow it's five days and what they've tried to do is really similar to what you you said they've said go out and be yourself they're basically your values be yourself be authentic play the way you want to play paint your own canvas and play a bit like you said just play like it's only you play for yourself don't play the way that everyone else wants you to play and that's they got slammed a little bit but actually they've come through and won i think six or seven test matches in a row and now they're starting, yeah. you know, what the media's like. Now they're saying, oh, it's fantastic to see this. Amazing. You know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I just, I was wondering whether that's something that, 
you could pick up on again? Because is are you going into this season, even though I know you've picked up an injury now, are you is that still at the forefront of your mind when you're talking to Psych Mike, your mindfulness um, yeah. psychology guru guy? Is that still the kind of the concept that we're looking at, or is it shifting a bit more and changing a bit more now as you're becoming a slightly older player? I think. Well, I think I'm still, still. It's weird because I've, I've I've been very privileged to say that I've been able to play for the club on a few occasions and probably a bit more than I think I thought initially when I came in. Um, but I still do believe I've. Like, it's not I believe I know I have so much to do. So I think now it's kind of I, I, I understand now probably what's a bit more expected of me and maybe what I think is my kind of player, my kind of strength. So I think psychologically when I go into things now, um, I, I want to try and play with a bit more freedom. But the, the honesty that comes with that is, is that when you listen to guys who have played 100 more games than me and 50 more international games and 60 more, you know what I mean? They tell you that the reason they can play with the freedom and it looks like they're playing with the freedom they have is because they've done the work. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying in... Uh, in next week, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. It's not going to take me another year. It's not going to take me another two because we're talking about guys who have had 10 years of international experience. But what you can get some peace in is that sometimes we are so um, outcome-based, and this is something I've learned probably from Mike and some of the sessions he runs, is sometimes we're very outcome-based. Actually, you have to think about what was my process? What did I set out to do? If I, I, I remember I had a point with him where I was saying, like, I'm... Like, I don't want to make mistakes. And he said, that's rubbish. He was like, in a game, top quality players in every game will make around seven mistakes. That's across all sport. Um, so he was like, what makes you think you as an unexperienced, non-international, three years into your career, type five forward, is going to make less than seven mistakes? What makes you think you're special? And I was like, okay, cool. So you kind of accept that, yes, things are going to go wrong, but rather than being always outcome-based, what is the process? What what can I do to minimise those things happening? Because they're going to happen, but what can I do to close that gap, close the gap, close the gap? Yeah. That's really, I think what I'm taking from that is you put it really well is you've got to be really, you've got to have real intent and purpose in your training, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. Yes, you're well and good saying, I'll, you know, play like with enjoyment and like, you know, only kids watching, but that's all well and good unless you're like, you know, making massive mistakes and not being picked and then not playing at the highest level. So you've got to put in the work, and if you put in the work physically and mentally, then that's when you go on the pitch and hopefully enter a state. Like Johnny Wilkinson, um, I don't know whether you've listened to any of his recent pods, obviously very philosophical, very intellectual, interesting chap. And he, call, he calls it the flow. If you can get to that point where you put the work in, like you said, and you and that, that's when you experience flow in a game, that peak flow experience where you talked about it before, where you have to be in, try and be in the moment as much as you can. And, and, and again, that, you know that goes across all um, facets of life, doesn't it? If, if any, if everyone can can enjoy the process and the moments rather than constantly thinking about the work that you've done and the work ahead, that is obviously important as well, especially in your career. But it's that it's that dual process of putting in work and then trying to enjoy the process of of training and playing as well, and that's probably quite hard hard balance to strike. Yeah, definitely, but. Yeah, as I, as I said, it's something I'm trying to probably learn from a mental side of things as well as a physical. Um, but it is about not being always outcome driven. If I if I throw myself in at 100 percent and 
and give everything to my skills in the week and try and nail my preparation and tick boxes I believe will prepare me for the game. If the game doesn't go as well as I would have liked it to, okay, cool, that's fine. But I know I've given everything towards the intent of trying to perform at my best. So that's when you go, okay, cool. Sometimes things just don't go your way, but you've given everything in terms of the process to try and get there. Um, and it's something I'm still trying to learn. I haven't found probably an eye and on process just yet for me. I think um, I've got into a kind of rhythm and an idea of what it might look like, but I'm still sun, probably searching for that sweet spot in terms of what my process might look like. Yeah. I really like how you talk about outcome and process um, at UHQ and, and the work that we're doing with schools. We're trying to get students to set their own values and then goals align with those values. And often students will naturally set outcome goals, things like play rugby for England or get an A star in maths or, you know, whatever it is. And when we spoke before, you actually said, and I quote, numbers do not stimulate or, or motivate you. Um, do you have specific goals that you set now? Are they only process? Is there merit in some outcome-based goals? Like we spoke before, is that is one of the outcomes to play for the Lions? Is one of the outcomes to play X number of games? Or are you still quite focused on process goals so that you can get to the place you want to be? I think, no, I think I'd be kidding myself if I said I didn't want to play for England and I didn't want to play for the Lions. It's like if you are playing professional sport in any facet and you don't want to get to the top, I probably question, you know, why you're there. However, it's not something I wake up every day and think about. Um, it's like, I don't think yet I'm in a position with, you know, my skills and experience to go, you know, I want to play for England tomorrow. I, I haven't reached that point yet, but I do think that I'm in the point where I think, okay, cool. I'm working on these skills at the moment. How can I maximize myself and, and, and get there? And I think even so, like I've always kind of said, I remember, sitting down probably when I was 18 and I first got here and someone said to me what is your goal and I said I I want to be the best player I can be and find my ceiling I just want to find my ceiling um because I believe that you know your ceiling can shift and change and you know I remember when I was probably 18 19 my goal was to 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 make my senior debut and then so you get to that ceiling okay cool my next goal was to play in the premiership okay, cool, I, I got to that ceiling. My next game was to start in the premiership. Okay, I hit that ceiling. And so before you realise it, rather than going, oh, I, I, I want to play for England, and you have to go from nothing where you're getting you know, sent on loan to maybe National 2 or National 1, and then you're looking at it like this, it was like, right, can I get the team? Can I get to this bit? Can I get to this bit? Can I get to this bit? And look, listen, that's the way I see it for me. I think you've got to find a way that you can break this down for you, but for me personally, is if I can sit at the end of this and go, I tried everything. I gave it literally everything. If it didn't work out, I can be at peace. But I have, to, I feel like you have to try and be as best as you can be. Um, that's just the way I see it. How do you know whether you're kidding yourself or whether you just have to be, you have to have that self-belief? So for example, let's say you got to a point where you thought, well, you know, this is my this is my ceiling. London Irish first team is my ceiling. Yeah. But don't would you argue that? And I'm sure we talked about this before. That the best players just have the self belief that there is almost no ceiling. So that, that England or or that the um, the Lions or whatever whatever it is. Where do you is there a balance between being realistic and having the ultimate self belief that you can be, you know, the best the best player in the world? 
Well, I think for me, the realism comes day to day, and then your like astronomical dreams are uh, at the end of uh, at the end of this road. You don't know how long it's going to be, but like I believe that day to day is is you know the the chipping away. Are you chipping away day to day? Because I can only wake up one day and do as well as I can today on that day, if that makes sense. You're going to be present. I can't do well tomorrow today. Like you can't do it. You can tee yourself up, i.e. in my world that might be, have I practiced the skill? Have I eaten right? Have I recovered? Have I slept right? So it means I can try and do more tomorrow, but I can only do what I can do today. I, I can't play well on Saturday and training on a Monday. I can't do it. Um, but I think like in order to so maybe find your ceiling, or if you believe there is no ceiling, you have to, you just have to try and do it every day. Like, that's what I think. Um, you uh, say, Chini, you're routine, like, do you, are you routine? Do you get up, you know, you've got your little whiteboard and you, you map yeah. up the week and your day. Do you have this, do you, are you, do you believe in routine? Do you get up? Do you I do, do believe in, sorry, yeah, sorry. That's okay. I was just going to say, do you go mobility, cold shower? You know, is it the same or do you just kind of go with the flow a little bit and see how you feel? No, I'm a bit, it's a bit of a mix and match. So probably more, funnily enough, on training days, I'm probably a bit more relaxed. So like on a training day, I'll know I need to stretch. So like from my back at the moment, I need to do a certain amount of mobility. Probably before that, I would, I've got a bit of a dodgy ankle. So I'd probably try and get a bit there. Um, so I do mobility say like that, I would make sure in the gym I've done certain things. So if we have like a lower day, I've got activation I need to do for my knees because I'm big, I've got patellar issues at times. Um, and then like, I might have some catch pass skills I might want to do and some line jumping skills I want to do. But on a day where I'm training, for example, that will filter when I find the time. I won't go right 3.45, four o'clock. Whereas today, because we actually have no structure and it's an off day, like I wrote last night in my notes, like eight o'clock wake up, 8.30 breakfast, 9.30, I was in my car. 9.50, I'd started my like extra weights I wanted to do. 11, I had my massage. 12, and then basically, you are now you know, one of you are now one of my checkpoints. So after I've finished you, I'm tidy in my bedroom for 40, 45 minutes. Did I, did I get on the whiteboard? You haven't actually made it on the whiteboard. No, wow. you're on my notes today. I've done it on the notes on my phone. But maybe, yeah, so. maybe we do one more. I'll get on the whiteboard and then I know. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe. But it's... Yeah, it's funny because um, you don't think about it and you probably actually now, having just left teaching, would probably find that I've spent probably since I can remember, maybe since the age of six in routine. Like some guys, you know, left school at 18 and went to uni and they had a, a loose routine. Uni is kind of a loose routine you do as and when. But I remember finishing my A-level maths exam. I went straight into pre-season and since then... I've been told when to have breakfast, when to gym, when to wait. Um, and yeah, it might have only been three and a half years of me doing it, but from school, I've just been so conditioned. So I try and create a routine. Yeah, I try. That is interesting, isn't it? And you're right, like, pushing it back on me. I felt very similar in that I've left teaching, that routine's gone. And yeah, that lack of structure, you have to build that in, don't you, for yourself? I think sometimes because it just gives you that control back. And I think that it gives you that opportunity to... To be productive as well which is good to hear um look mental health is something that we touched on last time you are you always have struck me and I, and I think you agree as someone with resilience and you've got mental toughness and you've got to in in the career that you're you're forging for yourself 
Um, the more I do work with schools on this, the more there seems to be, they call it a mental health crisis, um, whether that's true or not. Very difficult one. What what tips can you give young people that you've learned through all the resilience that you've built, especially playing a sport like rugby, where mental toughness is arguably as important, if not more important than physical toughness? Can you give young people any sort of little sneak takeaway tips or advice that 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 you've picked up along the way? I know it's I know mental health is not something that you've um, personally struggled with yourself, but is there anything that you've reflected on? Um. Yeah, I think um, from my own personal experiences and now I can probably say I've never had long periods of suffering in terms of that, that, that psychological and mental side. So, you know, it's is quite lucky to say. But what, one thing I found, especially through school, and I think if I could say anything, you know, if I could speak to my younger self, you know, I'd, I'd do it in that way. Like, I understood maybe what I wanted to do and find... I found myself a purpose. So I didn't think, you know, I was going to just follow the crowd. I think I remember growing up and rugby was just something that gave me a lot of purpose. I felt like I really, really, really belonged in something. It was not only just the rugby, but it was the gym, sort of my mates being around me. And so I think for me, it's not always like for some people, the the, the stimulus might be internal or external, but I found that external support in rugby. Um, but it might be like, listen, if you like art, if you like music, dedicate, I don't know, two hours, maybe an hour a day. So two hours is quite a lot because I know rugby are on pitch, but maybe do an hour a day. If, if you like that, if you like language, go and learn it and, and find something that gives you purpose that not necessarily everyone around you might do. Um, because, you know, when things do get tough and, you know, rugby gets tough and sometimes it's not easy to go in, even though I love it. But having something that I feel like I can commit to that is completely different, you know, it's, it's external to my personality, it might be external to my worries, it might be external to, yeah, obviously you might have bad days at rugby, but, you know, if I had family stress as a kid growing up, if I felt a bit, you know, insecure about going to school or like if I was struggling with my, my work or something at school, as soon as I touched that pitch, it was gone, like it disappeared. It didn't matter if, you know, I was trying to get an A star on my maths, or someone next to me and my team was just trying to get their C to pass and go to college, or I was trying to get into a, a good sixth form because that's what my mum wanted for me kind of thing. All that went out the window. It was about you, the ball, and how much you wanted to play. So, yeah, find maybe a different stimulus, just something outside of school that, you know, you can really, really get your teeth into. And then you often find that being positive and, and, and enjoying yourself outside of there will, will translate. That's a great message. I think you're, yeah, finding purpose and meaning is absolutely the key, isn't it? That's a really, really good point. Hard to do, but I think you're right. That's that's where periods of some kind of introspection and self-reflection, you need to think, what do you like doing? Why do you like doing yeah. it? Can you do it a bit more often? Really good. Are you still pretty anti-social media? I know that's quite a bold claim, but this is the quote last time. You said, when you have kids, you will give them brick phones. Yeah. You stand I right? still, I yeah, I still think... I still think it honestly, just because even now I'm bad, like I will just scroll through social media and like it's bad. I'm not somebody, I'm not probably as bad as one of my housemates. Um, I'm not going to name drop him, but like TikTok and Instagram, it's just half an hour goes and you've done nothing and you've watched 
30 reels and you couldn't tell anyone what you've actually watched. Like it's 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 bad. And I make that joke about give them brick bones, but like I didn't I didn't have any of this stuff growing up. Um so I don't feel like it's fully ingrained in me because I didn't grow up with it. I kind of it kind of evolved um as I've kind of got a bit older and now it's almost like at its peak, obviously every yeah. So I don't know. I, I heard it. Descri- I, I heard it described today on a on another podcast as uh, sort of modern day drug, the, the sort of the wor- one of the worst drugs. Kind of, yeah, yeah. So no, it's just it's honestly the t- like it is bad. It's bad. It's just at the time, and you know you get that little ping on your iPhone now that goes, you spent three hours on your phone today, and you're like, what was I actually doing? Mm. Um, in fairness, we get you know some of our detail and. And, and analysis and stuff sent through so you have that screen time but then I think like you go on and it says you spend an hour or 20 minutes on Instagram and I'm like what like I couldn't I couldn't tell you what I watched or what I saw um I have to yeah, I have to physically detach myself now so yeah. actually not carry it like leave it and then and then I have that pang of where's my phone and then I have to like, yeah. myself and go no you chose to leave it in your bedroom because you don't want to be looking at it all the time um I will leave that there thank you um I was going to ask you what a couple more things. One, when you see your peers doing these great things, playing for England, you know, going over to Australia, scoring tries, doing cool stuff, does that motivate you? Do you watch that and go, "I want a piece of that," or you know, do you, are you just happy for them? How does it? How does that make you feel when you see? Yeah, them? no, I think first and foremost, um, I'm quite happy for them. I think I would, I would just, yeah, I'll, I'm just sort of very very happy to say that like these are like the boys in my team you know what I mean but especially as not only as like a player but I used to watch London Irish growing up and we had some some cool players but we were always a team that you know occasionally would well I say occasionally we struggled quite a lot probably you know between the premiership and championship and now we're a team that's got boys that are doing exciting things so as a fan of my like of the club sometimes it is quite cool um but for me personally yeah definitely I I'd love to be a part of and I feel like that is sort of a for me, I think where I can get to is sort of an ambition of mine to be a part of that, you know, exciting, young, but, you know, performance-based and, 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 and winning London Irish side. Um, I think for the boys that have gone and done it, um, I mean, one of my housemates, um, Hot Topic, Henry Arundel, like, you, you know, you, you see him doing all of this stuff and there's a lot of excitement, but also boys like I lived with Will Joseph last year. He's a bit he's a bit of a quiet character, but then like he gets on the pitch and he's a very good player. But even so, like Hustle Collins, Loda, um, Tom Part, and now you look at like Tom Pearson, Josh Basham, um, you know, like guys who are really good rugby players, but also I think the, the the best part about it, I think, is a lot like all of us boys are homegrown. Obviously, we have this these incredible international talents, but it's just cool that these are like these guys grew up in Windsor, Reading. I was going to say, like, that's really cool that you're homegrown. There's that real cu- strong culture of young players that you've come through together. Do you think yeah. that's something London Irish focused on? Do you think it's just a bit of coincidence? What, what, where do, what do you put that on? Well, I think, I mean, I know bits of the history of the club, and I think it's always been a club that has had a strong, a strong academy. Um, and unfortunately, it's had a history of we, we've lost a few of those guys, and I think actually now maybe moving forward it might be something that they've gone out you know i'm not a coach i'm not sitting on the coaches meetings but they might have gone look we've got an opportunity here to to try and do something cool with guys who who, who understand our club and not to say the guys come in don't 
it's just that, you know, a lot of us boys would have been to the games. When we were kids, we'd have watched the games, like one of the boys, Jack Cook, um, like there was a picture when he captained us in the, in the Prem last year. There's a picture of him getting led out by one of the, the captains when he was a mascot at like five. And then obviously, you know, 15, 20 years later, he's leading the boys up. So it's just stuff like that, you know, that's, yeah, it's probably, it's, it's quite cool to be a part of, yeah. That's really cool. Um, last question. Um, it's your AT. You feel like you're AT right now because you've got a bad back, uh, yeah. gnarled fingers, and your mate is saying uh, a speech about you on your 80th. In, a, in brief, how do you want to be remembered when you're 80 years old? When I'm 80 years old, you know, I think I even, I'm probably going to say something I think I said last time, but I want the, the rugby now, it takes so much, so much of your life when you think about it, but. I don't want that to be the first thing people say. I want people to say that he was someone that when you needed him, he could like be around. I want to be, you know, hopefully a, a good father and a good husband. And by the time I get to there, I hope that's the truth. Um, but also like, I would like to sit back and, you know, have my cool caps and cool shirts and stuff. And, you know, from tours I've been on and these great memories. And I would like people to say, you know, I was a good part of, you know, teams and squads they've been in just because you put so much work in. But really, I just want to be remembered as a good guy um, who was, yeah, able to just kind of be around them. If you needed him, you could just give him a call kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I needed you to do this again. And you did. <laughs> uh, and I think you are brilliant at this. And uh, if any, you know, the people that are out there and listening, you are a fantastic role model to young players. Um, my nine-year-old, I really would love him to get. I mean, I've, I've told you before, and I'll tell you again. He's a he's a really good little rugby player. Um, he will definitely be listening to this because I think the not only are you physically obviously a fantastic player, but because you're highly intelligent and you think about what makes the mindset of a champion and what motivates you, I think that sort of thing's going to hold you in really good stead. Wish you well with your recovery from injury. Uh, and look forward to seeing you back on the pitch very soon, looking up in the stands and imagining that it's just 12 year old junior watching you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm still waiting for that goose step, 80 metre surge, <laughs> frog splash down, try time, uh, and the champagne will come out. Yeah, like, did you see, uh, did you see Genji at the weekend against, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not coming out of me. Let's be very, very clear. Junior, right <laughs> thanks so much for your time again. No worries, cheers. All the best. Take care, mate. Cheers. Enjoyment, authenticity, and family making those that you love proud. Chunya's core values there and really great to talk to him about what makes him tick on and off the rugby pitch. And again, I love that idea that when you're doing something out of your comfort zone or something that you might perceive as making you anxious or nervous, think about your younger self watching you and think about how you can make your future self proud without overthinking it. I think that's a really interesting perspective and something that I know I've been trying to do a little bit more of and I'm going to keep trying to do more of in the future. I want to thank Junior very much for taking the time to speak to me for the second time. Wish him all the best again with his injury and look out for Junior Munger, London Irish second row. I'm sure without putting pressure on him for future England second row, he is definitely a leader and so much of his success is down to his work ethic, his mindset, his positivity, his leadership. Fantastic guy. Um, and thanks for listening that is the third and final episode of this round of Become Inspired where we focus specifically on elite sports people people that that work or have worked in elite sport 
moving forward, there's going to be uh, lots of other really interest, interesting people that I'm going to speak to. But again, hopefully the idea is that you listen to their story and you become inspired to do great things in your own lives.